0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0-1 to grams of net carbs,
1: 5-11 to grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special breaking news edition here. It is John Pollock of Post Wrestling and Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. Brandon, I feel like we just said goodbye to you on Sunday night, but so much has happened since then, uh, but not unexpected, as you could see from the CNBC reporting. Uh, but here we are, and it's a new day. A special our- merger edition of uh, post-wrestling and WrestleNomics. That's it. That's it. We we have not talked about, uh, you know, it, it's, it's 50-50. You know, you and I are, you know co co CEOs if we if, if we're going to add add titles and such. And unless you have you can have the fifty one. I'll I'll take the 49. Okay. Well uh we had a very rare public appearance of Vince McMahon that we are going to get into yes. as well. But I guess just since uh talking last night, um just some of your your major takeaways before we get into sort of some of the more minutiae of how all of this is going to work but just seeing how how it's also been received um that that you have seen in the hours since this was made official so just i guess to go in chronological order after we talked i i saw the
1: press conference with paul Avec and nick hausman tried to ask him to comment or confirm that there was a merger happening uh he said nope he's not going to get into it he only wanted to talk about wrestlemania he so he took a bunch of other questions and then he did end the press conference Pretty apparently alluding to, to the deal, saying, you know, no matter what happens here, WWE's not going anywhere, was basically his message. And he did the now then, forever, I, I don't whatever.
2: recall that ever being a rumor. I never, of all the, the options on the table to sell, not to sell, WWE going out of business, I never foresaw that as a, a threat.
1: No, I, but like we did get a question in the live stream that we did just before WrestleMania yesterday where. Somebody asked us, you know, is, does this mean Raw, SmackDown, and NXT are, are still going to be on the air? I, I can see the average, you know, viewer wondering about that, or at least needing reassurance about that. So, yeah, that's what he said there. Um, but there have been a lot of interviews. There's been the CNBC interview that I think you have clips of. There's been an Axios interview with Nikon. Um, I had Washington Post calling me this morning. Um, there's been a, been a lot of reaction and uh, a lot to market market watch. I, I answered an email. There's a lot to talk about here.
2: So just to go over for those that maybe uh, did not hear us last night, essentially how this is, is going to work is that Endeavor is buying WWE and then spinning it off into a brand new company, a yet to be named company that Vince McMahon and Ari Emanuel are putting their heads together to come up with a name.
1: We could only- reserve the ticker TKO. Maybe
2: that's a hint, but who knows? Um, they They say they're finalizing it. So, this new company, which will be a publicly traded company, they expect the sale to be closed before the end of the year, depending on you know government regulations and approval processes that they have to go through. But it would be a publicly traded company with Endeavor controlling 51% of the newly formed company and WWE shareholders holding on to 49%. Do you want to just quickly go over just sort of the breakdown of uh, the power players involved here and sort of the the distribution of power specifically to Vince McMahon in this newly formed company?
1: So I think it is like we understood it was based on the CNBC article last night is that Ari Emanuel will be the CEO for both the new company and for the remaining assets of Endeavor. Uh, Mark Shapiro will be the president of both of those entities. Vince McMahon will be the executive chairman for the new company and Dana White will run UFC. Nick Khan will be the president of WWE. So that, that does put in the org chart, Vince McMahon above Dana White. Um, w- wonder what Dana's sentiments are. be curious to hear. Uh, Khan is to be fairly honest and reactionary. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's the org chart. There's a CFO. There's a, there's a slide that, uh, that they put out in their earnings presentation um, Jason Lublin will continue to be the Endeavor C- CFO, uh, the new company CFO. I guess I have to get to know this, this person get to know his name. Andrew Schleimer Schleimer will be the, the CFO for the combined UFC and WWE. Um, but basically the people who are in charge of the wrestling business are still going to be in charge of the wrestling business for now, at least. And the people who are in charge of UFC are still going to be in charge of UFC, Dana White. Um, and they're going to be overseen by Ari Emanuel, Vincent McMahon, Mark Shapiro.
2: Mm-hmm. We, as as mentioned, it will be a publicly traded company, and therefore there there will still be a level of transparency that we're going to get. We will we will still have our earnings calls to look forward to, but it's
1: certainly I'm sure everything's going to change as far as that reporting. Like
2: as far very as much though, so. in continuity. I would be surprised if we.
1: Get a split out. This is what WWE drew. This, these are the ticket sales for WWE. These are ticket sales for UFC. I would be surprised if that's, it's, were.
2: it's probably a good insight of like the endeavor calls where you try to glean what you can of UFC business and you can at least look at their kind of sports division that UFC is going to be the, the majority of that, but it does include PBR and other areas as well. And now when you're putting WWE and UFC together, it might be a lot tougher to parse exactly like the, 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 the true health of, of both sides and comparing it versus just a uh, lump together as I I don't know if we're going to get such a solid breakdown and we'll see like what what level of insight we're going to get into these these two entities
1: and and I noticed in, in one of the slides that they put out this morning uh UFC is is this the the, the clearest answer that we've ever had on UFC's annual revenue they made one point one billion dollars in 2022 and that's slightly less than what WWE made one point three billion mm-hmm. um, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I understand, I haven't looked closely at Endeavor's filings, but I, that they would not break out such a clear, this is how much money, this is how much revenue UFC generated. Uh, yeah, and here they are making it very clear.
2: Yeah, and they are, they are attaching a, the big number that they are attaching is that this new company has a value of over $21 billion and breaking it down to the UFC and WWE. Now, this doesn't necessarily reflect exactly the, the, the the value of this company because that is going to be determined once this company go goes public and yeah. you know that was even brought up in the CNBC interview about this is a this is a very you know large scale purchase for Endeavor but w- without getting uh, too in the weeds which is uh, one one of our buzz terms today. This is a strategy that you can see an Endeavor shareholder looking at this from the big picture that, okay, this purchase, it is going to alleviate the debt on the Endeavor side and slide some of it over to this newer company. And therefore, Endeavor is going roughly from $5 billion in debt to what Ari Emanuel is estimating at like three at Endeavor and three on this newly formed company. And I'm sure people can technically explain that a lot better than I can, but from the from just a, an overarching look, Brandon, it would seem that an Endeavor shareholder is looking at this as a, you know, if, if this debt is this big an albatross, it's it's a good day to be an Endeavor shareholder.
1: Yeah, I, I don't completely understand what the advantages of the, the the. I think it's the same amount of debt just now split over. It, it will mm-hmm. be split over two companies, but that's what's happening. Um, the W stock price is down. It's, it's recovering right now, but it, it was down by 5% earlier. It's down by about three and a half right now. Endeavor is down about 7% on the day. Um, I'm not sure the reason, you know, what, what the story is to tell about why Endeavor is down, but I can tell you W is, is down probably because there is some hope baked into W stock price that the, the Saudis or some other private equity firm would come forward and, and pay cash. This is not a cash deal. Mm-hmm. And like, like you said, there'll be a, Presumably, there'll be initial public, public offering in late 2023 this year, and the stock market will determine what the value of that company is. Um, but that—that's—it's not like is going to be paid at a guaranteed premium that involves cash. This is a stock-only deal.
2: On the, we'll get to the uh, the the CNBC interview because there's, there's quite a lot in this to go through. But in terms of a lot of wrestling fans' prime concern, Vince McMahon. In creative, uh, we can state um, uh, both of us had reported this earlier today that there was a, a email uh, internally sent from Vince McMahon to people within the company, essentially going over the news of the sale and including the line that Paul Levesque would remain as its chief ex- uh, chief content executive. Uh, yeah. However, in this CNBC interview, certainly it Vince McMahon, it is not going to be this church and state affair when it comes to creative. Vince McMahon is going to have his, his say in things, but that he is not going to be in the weeds. He is not going to be in the day-to-day creative. I can't be doing that. I can't do it.
1: He said, um, the interviewer, I forget his name, did, did a fairly good job, I thought, um, asked him if he would be involved in creative going forward, and he said yes and no. Uh, he would be involved at a high level, but not be getting in the weeds, which is very similar to what he said in July 2019. I found like my old tweet, live tweeting, the earnings call, where he said very similar things when... Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff were coming in to be executive directors at the time of Raw and SmackDown. They didn't last very long. They, I, Bischoff, I think, lasted a few months, and Heyman lasted a little bit longer. And Vince was, if he wasn't in the first place, was very much in charge of, of, of leading creative. Um, I believe that you know, I, I believe the reports of, of Fightful and probably others that have said that Vince hasn't been present in any creative meetings, and that that Paul Levesque is the one leading those meetings. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's a big question. I don't know how we'll ever really get a a reliable answer to is how involved is he? How, what are his conversations like with Paul Levesque? Um, I'm sure there's people wondering if if Vince McMahon had, had, uh, decision-making influence on the, the finish of the main event of WrestleMania last night. Um, but it's, he's clearly confirming that he's going to be involved to some extent.
2: And, And it also, I mean, yeah, there's, there's such a vagueness to that answer that you can arrive at any conclusion you want to but you know not being in the weeds if if you are someone that is just kind of directing a big picture view that's ultimately going to affect all of the week-to-week booking if if paul Levesque has a desired destination and six months from now we want to build towards you know who, who, ex-wrestler beating roman reigns and Vince McMahon, like his big picture thought is going to be who is who is your champion who is going to be our like that's going to impact your your storytelling so that relationship I think certainly remains to be fleshed out and, and seen how that that coordinates with a guy in Vince McMahon who has typically had his hands on the wheel when it comes to the creative direction. But let's dive into this interview. This was uh this was a pre-taped interview that C N B C rolled out on Monday morning to coincide with the news of the sale. And uh first we will hear from Ari Emanuel on this landmark deal that they have made with Vince McMahon and the WWE.
3: We brought together in a uh, pure play UFC and the WWE into a new publicly traded company. Um, it's very rare to get iconic brands like the UFC and the WWE uh, together. Um, together, I mean, individually, they're incredible assets. Together with the flywheel of Endeavor, which we've built, I think makes them unicorns. Well, let me say it another way.
4: Cool. This is the biggest thing Ari Emanuel and Vince McMahon have ever done. Yeah, combining forces like this is there's nothing like this. There's never been anything like this. you have been talking about this for a long time, but these synergies that Ari brings totally different than everyone else. So the Saudis were said to be interested. Sure, Liberty yes. said to be interested, and others. Yes, and you had your pick. Yes, and Endeavor ends and here he is the place. Right.
2: And there you have it. This was my pick. The biggest thing that Ari Emanuel has ever done. WWE. Nothing ever. Nothing like this, uh, Brandon. I, I would say something very similar to this in July of 2016 when they uh, purchased the UFC, but I digress. Um, I think part of the appeal of this is that they have that existing experience with a similarly run company, but at least Vince McMahon stating on the record the fact that, you know, the, the Saudis were interested, Liberty Media that that we had seen uh, bandied about, Nick Khan also stating in that Axios interview, multiple bidders. And it does seem that, I mean, when you look at Vince McMahon's strategy of, of the way he came back in January and feeling that time was of the essence and he needed to spearhead this, I would say that this does paint Vince McMahon like he if you're a WWE shareholder, I I don't think you could have anticipated a better outcome in terms of the, the value that they have pivoted to with an endeavor. Uh, would you would you be looking at this overall from a business side as a big win for Vince McMahon?
1: I think it's OK. I mean, if you're a shareholder, you want a, a big cash deal. And if, if economics are, are your only priority. Then it would have been better to make a, a cash deal with with the Saudis, so that the market can't, in an IPO, determine the value of of your shares. Um, I, I think it's interesting in those comments where you know we've got Ari Emanuel using buzzwords like flywheel, a lot of a lot of flywheel oh, talk. Uh, the flywheels were just in full effect today. The flywheel of endeavor, and 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 Vince is, you know. Rephrasing is to go right into, you know, sort of promoter speak. This is the biggest deal that, that Ari Emanuel has ever done.
2: Vince um, is thinking of headlines. It's like, no one is recapping this Ari Emanuel. And, and I've never really heard him talk about strategy or talk about
1: the, the media business in, in anything that wasn't prepared remarks in, in earnings. So, you know, I, I don't know if, if he's really thinking in, in the ways that, that Ari Emanuel or Nick
2: Khan is when we hear them speak. So throughout this sale process, one of the, Emerging subjects was Vince McMahon and his necessity to be part of such a deal, and if he was going to be a detriment to some uh, to potential buyers of the company. And Ari Emanuel spoke of his desire to keep Vince McMahon involved.
3: Here's a man who has seen around the corners at every beat over the last forty years of this business, and has a vision for where this business way before a lot of people see it. Him now being able to utilize. What we have built in our flywheel, I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I got Vince McMahon, a visionary that sees around corner. I got Dana White and what we've built. That's pretty unstoppable. So you wanted him to stay. Oh my God. Yes. yes. Oh my God. Did he have to convince you to stay? Um, uh, not that much.
4: Would you have been content? I ten? love what I do. I've loved building WWE all my life. It's my passion and to have an opportunity to have it grow like this an exponential standpoint is like, can't be
2: better than that. Can't be better than that. He's He's got a passion for this. He is back. He is out of retirement. And, you know, clearly Ari Emanuel, um, you know, I, I take him at, at face value here that he sees a lot of value in Vince McMahon. But this is ultimately a, a, a working dynamic that is going to be a very interesting one because it's one that Vince McMahon has never been in, in his professional life
1: the, the question I would have is, you know, we were talking a, a moment ago about the thing that wrestling fans are going to care about is whether or not Vince is involved in creative. And it's one thing to talk about that as a personal preference. A lot of people like WWE content better, than, better when Vince is gone than when he's there. And uh, We've learned that over the last, you know, since July. Um, but there's been a real business difference that attendance has been up. TV ratings have been up against the headwind of, of cord cutting. Raw and, 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 Ari talked about it in, in his comments here with CNBC that Raw is up, SmackDown is up in an environment where cable viewing in general continues as it has been for years to be down. So it's just not clear to me. What, what, what does Vince add that is so essential? Maybe there's business relationships, but we've certainly seen it as, as someone who's leading creative and being involved in creative. He was a detriment. So I, I don't see, I don't understand what the argument is for, wow, it's really essential. Ari
2: really, really wanted to keep him around. Why? It's very similar to the comments that Dana White did make in in the wake of, of his whole uh, controversy with, with his wife earlier this year. And when asked about why he is not being suspended, why he is not going through any of that. I mean, his answer was essentially that I am so, it would punish the business for me to go away for a period of time. And you can certainly look at the the same thing. Like the UFC is is such a, Operation at this point that Dana White, who I mean, it flat out says like when it comes to drug testing controversies, that's that's not my wheelhouse. I don't have to deal with that stuff. Like you see him hands off in many different areas, but obviously they're it, much like the endeavor purchase of the UFC. Dana White was considered vital from Ari Emanuel's standpoint. It seems very similar in how Vince McMahon is positioned in Ari Emanuel's viewpoint of having that bridge. Although to your points, I I think you could certainly challenge that when you have numbers that back it up and going against the idea that this is just this brand that chugs along versus strong creative and what impact can that have on business when you can have these stars that make differences in your markets that build to stories peaking at a certain time and what the effect has been. And you can look at television, you can look at live events, and you can look at this peak this past weekend about overall interest that was very discernible when it came to WrestleMania interest this year over previous editions.
1: Yeah. Are you going to play the, the, the clip of where he talks about mistakes and all that? Is yes. That next?
2: L- okay. Let's, let's hear from this. This is Vince McMahon for the first time addressing, uh, the scandals of last summer.
4: Let me just say it, I've made mistakes, honestly, you know, both personally and professionally through my 50 year career. I've owned up to every single one of them and then moved on. I'm not sure the legacy stuff, I'm not going to write it. So I don't know. Um, I want to say it's someone who had an extraordinary amount of fun, great passion for what they did, and wound up doing the biggest deal he's ever done in
3: his life.
1: Yeah, it's just on, on the subject of Dana White, and and to you know bring it to to Vince. In that, there's been a, a great lesson here over the last several months about you know about who do, who do consequences apply to. Um, Vince McMahon in July resigned following news being reported that there were a number of NDAs that he paid related to sexual misconduct allegations. He made another settlement with Rita Chatterton in recent months who accuses him of rape. Um, And he resigned because of many sexual misconduct allegations in the summer, made his way back, forced his way back in the company, by the way, in July. uh, He unilaterally decided to do it because he had the voting power to do it, and he did it. Um, and it's been a slow roll to my view since then to gradually, oh, okay, now he's at a, at a raw in, in March, but he's not really involved in creative to now. Okay. He really is involved in creative, but only at a high level. Um, and what's really been the consequence for him? The consequence for him today is that he's able to sell his company for, you know, the, on, on paper an enterprise value of nine billion when the market capital of the company says it's worth about six and a half or so. Um, so it's been there haven't really been, he he took a five month vacation has been the consequence for him. He came back and he sold his company for billions of dollars.
2: There, I I would say has been zero consequences uh, when it comes to that. And of somebody that is at a position of power is what is like, you have always outlined sort of that doctrine of who are, who is going to apply that pressure to people in familiar positions of power. And you could certainly look at the hypothetical that if those scandals were to have occurred in this kind of a scenario where he's within an endeavor, uh, would it be any different? It's impossible to answer that question. But it's one where I think Vince McMahon, he removed himself from the, the public eye. There was a lot of positive sentiment on WWE and then slowly creep back in and... I would say he is largely, it, it will be brought up, but it's not like it's this dominating aspect of Vince McMahon. It would seem that a lot of people have their conclusion of their opinions of Vince McMahon, and that does not necessarily change their opinions. They might have thought one way about him, and this was just consistent with that view, but it's somebody that ultimately he, he withstood this scandal and had enough power and muscle to do so.
1: And if, if it were another business, maybe it would be different. Maybe because it's wrestling, that's part of it. Um, if he were not, not as, as, as famous and, uh, had the respect of people in, in, in business who still, you know, praise him and talk about what a visionary he is, what an icon he is. As recently as, you know, we were listening to Nick Khan's interviews and it's, it's largely praise or it's, you know, Colin Cowher is doing the interviewing, talking about what a, what a visionary, what an icon this man is. Um, it's 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 different levels of uh, of consequence for different people in different situations, and depending on what your business is, depending on what people expect of you, depending on whether whether people like you or not in the first place. Um, so and, I don't know. It's 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 uh, hard hard to to not view as tone deaf when when you hear Ari Emanuel talk about how important Vince is to this business. When purely economically speaking, I'm not sure what he adds. And secondly, there's some liabilities that come come with h- having him there. And, and maybe it's not even an economic liability because maybe it's become pretty clear that he can get away with it and that the media is not going to really push back on it. There's not going to be these other forces that are really going to put pressure on this, this merged company or WE or Endeavor to not have him involved. Um, and it's, it's, so it's probably just going to, going to happen. There isn't a lot of deterrent to it. And, uh, you know, he's going to not, uh, not suffer consequences. No, he's going to be benefited from this deal happening.
2: And it makes you wonder as well, the outcome of the investigation into Vince McMahon, how much was that of the idea of there will be no more surprises when you have this type of a deal that is in motion, that there is not going to be any any other um, allegations coming forward that is, is going to catch people uh, by surprise, that that is all. And the
1: board in their letter to Vince that was disclosed as part of a filing said that there were additional Stories. I forget the word that they used, but there were additional items that they were aware of that the public did not know of. So that that sounds like there's more allegations that have not come to light yet.
2: Yeah, that's it. it it's it's certainly a when you read that, it was a red flag at the time. That was what part of the the whole thing that went over at the end of December of their reluctance to see Vincent McMahon come back in here. Um, also, we have uh, Ari Emanuel commenting here on the value of WWE and where they feel it is uh, positioned in the, the overall media sector.
3: We paid a fair price, um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, we paid a little bit for control premium um, with our cost cuts, their new deals coming up, which is right now, um, and um, our cost savings that we think we can extract from the business right now and grow the business with all of our levers, whether it be international sales, domestic, sponsorship, gambling, all the things that we do. Um, I think it's right. I would also say to you is, when I bought IMG, everybody said I overpaid. This is actually one of the cheapest deals in sports. For sure, when I bought the UFC, everybody was like at $4.2 billion. They were like crazy. We tripled uh, the EBITDA in that period of time. And now with this, this is going to be UFC 2.0, as it relates to all the things in the flywheel that we can bring. um, And we have unbelievably attractive economics. The balance sheet's incredible. Our uh, debt ratio is less than three times. Our free cash flow conversion is unbelievable. So I think when people look at this business on a combined basis and also look at the remaining assets for both shareholders, it's incredible.
2: Well, there you go. That is Manual uh, Emanuel uh, looking at past purchases, but also um, bringing up the, the dreaded words, cost cuts, Brandon. I mean, this was like record time of like one of these deals going down and that was thrown in. Uh, Nikon also uh, speaking to Axios and was asked about potential layoffs and unsure, unsure yet. But I, I mean, I, I cannot fathom that there is going to be uh, some reduction in workforce whenever a giant deal like this comes together.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there will be. There's going to be a meeting uh, with all employees at four o'clock and maybe they'll address that. Um, he, he alludes to a, a team coming together that's going to determine what their their future staff is going to look like. Um, I've I reached out to employees and and it sounds like, you know, things are just business as usual. Um, and that's sort of what the email that they've received said, you know, nothing's going to change day to day. Um, but there's I, this is a deal that's not going to be done until late 2023 so that's that's a that's a long time to be uncertain about whether or not you're still going to have a job or whether your coworker is going to have a job
2: we're also going to be getting to your super chat so if you want to uh send in any questions uh we will be distributing this amongst uh wrestlenomics and post wrestling if you want to uh submit a, a super chat all questions are welcome uh before we get to those questions brandon what is the latest on the saudi arabian front because this was asked of uh, nick Khan in that same axios interview
1: then nothing's going to change. Even though Ari Emanuel uh, has had his issues with the Saudi government, uh, he decided to sever a, a business relationship after the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Um, Nick Khan told Axios today that, that they're very appreciative of, of their relationship with the Saudis and that's not going to change. And that, I mean, that's a very big business relationship. That's the number three business relationship that WB has after its NBCU and Fox TV rights deals. Uh, it's hundred million dollars a year. So, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, a a merger or even, you know, Ari Emanuel having issues with the Saudi government or something like that is going to affect that. So that's, that's what you'd expect.
2: And that deal is up in 2028. It calls for the the two shows per year and is, I, I cannot imagine that in, with this start of this company, um, I, I don't see them cutting any potential revenue, much less something of, of such sizable portions. I, I would imagine that when these 10 years are up, like I, I just do not believe that if the Saudi Arabian government is willing to extend this, that they're going to walk away from that amount of revenue.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I wonder if they have an, an exclusivity deal, if that's some, something that, uh, other governments would, would be interested in. Uh, I mean, if you've seen Qatar get the, the world cup, um, but that's you know, $100 million a year on $1.3 billion. You know, a few years ago, that was 10% of the revenue. So it's less than 10% now. But it's still, I don't know, something like 8% or 7% of the revenue. So that's a huge piece of their business.
0: This Post Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast,
2: And obviously, they are putting so much stock into these upcoming media rights deals. There was a breakdown in this investor presentation just comparing the revenues of WWE to UFC. And with WWE, 75% of their revenue in 2022 is under media, 71% for the UFC. And to put the timeline out there... WWE's domestic rights deals with uh, NBC Universal and Fox expire at the end of September 2024, and then UFC's deal with ESPN and ESPN Plus are up in 2025. So a lot is being placed on the belief that they will get sizable increases on th- their rights deals, and that this uh, that this purchase will look great after you know several deals, and even floating out the idea of maybe separate media rights deals, but a potential combined streaming deal, which I think is going to open up every, every WWE fans pocketbook and concerns of, uh, regarding premium live events. And what, what could this mean of shopping UFC and WWE uh, pay-per-views, premium live events to one specific service?
1: Yeah. So the, this is Nikon making, making comments to to Axios uh, elsewhere in the interview. Um, I, I, I just don't think that, that W pay per views are going to end up being an upcharge. Maybe, I mean, WrestleMania is the most likely one if it happens, but they, they sort of had that opportunity with, with Peacock. Then again, that's earlier in the streaming game when everybody's going after content and spending really aggressively. Uh, and we're getting to a point now, really that, that moment that, that next Netflix subscribers stopped growing was this big wake up moment for, for the market. Uh, and, and how they want to invest in streaming and how soon they want profits. Um, I, I just don't see them putting the genie back in the bottle there. Um, but it would make sense maybe to have those two products dealt together just because there's the library involved maybe. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a way to leverage for, in, in the case of the W content, a way to leverage a competitor, like maybe you know put, put that content on US uh, ESPN Plus um, and put it along with, uh, with UFC that's there. Um, but I think it's when it comes to the traditional rights, the, the traditional TV rights, you want those to be separated in, in, this, in the way that we saw Raw and SmackDown get separated in 2018. W made a lot more money by selling Raw to NBCU and selling SmackDown to Fox. And, and it helped that SmackDown's ratings improved um, at that time. But if you sell those things separately, you know, you make more money by selling them to multiple parties versus selling them all together. And I would think if you sold, at least in the U.S., if you sold UFC, NW, all together, all at once to the same traditional partner, uh, sort of selling it all in bulk, all in wholesale, you'd probably get less money for it that way than you would in breaking it up and and putting, you know, this, uh, this property over here where it really fits well, say, with ESPN and putting the the wrestling content somewhere else.
2: Let's go to some of these, uh, super chats. There's a handful here to get to, and we're going to start off with her niece who sends in a very generous $10 super chat. We've seen parts of Canada ban UFC betting for a time due to integrity concerns. Should we worry about UFC fighters in WWE storylines? It's been done. It's been done before with Bellator and TNA, but before the gambling boom, uh, boom. Uh, yes, I've seen people bring this up. Uh, the idea of, you know, mixing these two products together if it is going to give people cause when it comes to, you know, one with predetermined outcomes, the other you are presenting as legitimate sport. I really don't see that confusion in the marketplace that people understand what the UFC is, what WWE is. And I, it it is clear that the gambling initiative on WWE's end is not dead. I think they are just, Ari Emanuel brought it up in the interview. Nick Khan uh, brought it up on CNBC over the weekend as well. I think it's something they are going to continue to explore, and I think they're going to run into their own issues there. But on the UFC side, like I, I don't pe- see people looking at UFC fights with a more skeptical eye just because of this arrangement.
1: Yeah, I was, I was thinking that about uh, this this kind of uh, question last night. Like, if if you're Dana, White, you you got to be mad that you're doing you know business with a fake wrestling sport or something like that? But no, I, I think there's the, the 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 cultures of the of the two sports are, are so separated. It's uh and I would think too, I mean, not, not that it doesn't make sense to combine them for a lot of reasons, these two businesses, but I think the fan bases have, you know, bifurcated more so than they were, say 15 years ago when ultimate fighter was, you know, the, the show on after raw on spike. Um, and this is not, japan where you know there is a lot more crossover you know the beast we saw i mean you can go back into, into japanese mma history or work shooting and it's, it's very blurry where where the lines are between work and shooting in the early history of uh you know say pancras or something like that um but no I, I don't see it being a problem um you know those those separate real issues aside where you know there are problems with gambling there
2: There was also that you can look in hindsight as almost a dress rehearsal for this as, you know, just one example was UFC 276 last July, which you remember that was the weekend that both UFC and WWE held their events in Las Vegas. And there was Vince McMahon in the crowd for UFC. And then we get Israel Adesanya coming out to the Undertaker's theme with the urn. And I think like that is stuff that uh, MMA fans might hate that kind of stuff, but I could certainly see stuff like that being incorporated and just more and even the idea of weekend events that you can pair up of you know these big like an international fight week and wwe piggybacks and vice versa um
1: i, I wonder if they got clearance from WWE to, to do that entrance because like they didn't use the undertaker's music or anything right but he came out in like the hat and and undertaker were looking you know clothing or whatever right
2: that's right that's right yes so it was the undertaker inspired entrance um you know, I would I, I would imagine. still I wonder if that's
1: that's you're using RIP. I wonder if there was some some sort of clearance for that.
2: Yeah. And the fact that you had like your some of your key executives right there in the building yeah. as well. And and this remember, this is July. So this is just weeks after The Wall Street Journal has first begun the reporting on uh, Vince McMahon. So we continue on uh, next question uh, from Trust the Process. When is the UFC media rights deal up? And what do you think this means for WWE's upcoming deal? Does this make ESPN a candidate for WWE? Do you think that this increases the, the appetite if you're uh, an ESPN to bring all of this in-house together? And maybe more, the, the better question is ESPN Plus. That as much as we look at all of these different sports rights and how much the escalating costs are, how many sports are out there that has an audience that is trained to pay for its biggest events – you know that UFC fans will. WWE, it's more so it would be a retraining process, but this is historically a industry that you pay for the biggest shows, that you don't for the Super Bowl. You don't pay for playoff games. It's it's available on your cable package or free on network television.
1: Maybe there's an argument here that SmackDown, which is it's more uncertain where SmackDown goes in the next round, whether it stays on Fox or goes elsewhere. I'm pretty confident that Raw will stay with NBCU. Because RAW is so important to the USA network, and the content is still on Peacock and it's going to be on Peacock beyond the expiration of the current deal, but m- maybe there's a there's a place for it to fit in ESPN. It's not going to fit on the ESPN main channel, the mothership. Uh, there's certainly room for it on ESPN 2 I don't know if ESPN two is a high enough profile for for SmackDown. In that, I think you would take less money to be on Fox than to go than, than to go for. Go to ESPN too for the same amount of money because Fox is such a more platform. Um, maybe streaming, as as Nick alluded to, but I think for the traditional rights for the for the Raw and SmackDown, I think they they are better off in places other than ESPN.
2: Next one, MJ weighing in here does fight pass and WWE network combined have any more viability in the streaming market together still trying to understand the notion that these are subscription streaming businesses what do you think i don't i think that WWE network made the right play to license out its its streaming rights i don't think a combined UFC WWE network even if you were, we're talking about a
1: direct consumer go back to yes to charging people directly yeah
2: Yeah, I just, in this world, um, where you are up against the the Amazons and the Netflixes and Apple TV plus ESPN plus, I, I just don't see a UFC WWE combined, um, streaming model working. And that would even be with moving pay-per-views over and and such. I think if anything, it is just trying, you combine these, these, uh, outlets together to go to a larger streamer.
1: And I just don't think the audiences are, are crossed over enough for that to be something that that is 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 such an enticing bundle to to a lot of people? I just don't think of that many wrestling fans being MMA fans, and I I guess I, I don't know if you have a different impression, but I f- feel like there's even fewer wrestling fans who are among MMA fans. I feel like there's a even smaller percentage of people who would identify themselves as wrestling fans.
2: Yeah, and it will be very interesting as well to see the coverage this week on like the MMA media side of things. As this is this is a big story. It's like UFC is attached to all of this, but I I I don't see the the giant crossover. At a time there was certainly a lot more, but I, I don't foresee that as much now. And I guess that will be the question ultimately. Is you could look at an ESPN Plus as well of. Do you want, like, direct crossover? It would be the idea that, okay, WWE brings a different type of audience that uh, c- could complement the UFC audience rather than just go one for one. Um, there's certainly for WrestleMania. That, to me, is an event that it is still one that you could put on pay-per-view next year. And ultimately, there would be friction. But I think there it would still do very, very well if if it was such a... Um, if it was such a task to go back in time and make this a whatever price to point you want to attach to a WrestleMania. Yeah. I
1: think, I think the there's for now, at least, and I, and I guess I feel that there will still be say in 2026 or really before that, a deal will be done to renew whatever the peacock rights, wherever those peacock rights go. I feel like those businesses are just so much bigger. And we're talking about Comcast and Disney And and they're so much bigger. And if if Amazon wants to play in there too, they're, they're even bigger that they have so much money and they're still going to be willing to probably give you a licensing fee. That's for one thing guaranteed rather than worrying about the more volatile revenues of, of running a direct consumer business or, you know, even, you know, playing in pay-per-view where you're not sure how, how many people are really going to buy the pay-per-view.
2: Next one up here. Uh How do you think that this will affect Dana and Tony Khan's relationship? They've been friends and AEW UFC had avoided stepping on each other's toes up to the up to this point. More so than the interdynamics of uh, Dana White and Tony Khan. What kind of a day of, is this for AEW in terms of the industry leader that now has this much more muscle uh, behind it? Is it a big impact, a minimal impact or no impact? AEW is in the same place it was yesterday.
1: I don't think it makes a big difference. Um, I think Tony and and, and Dana have probably, you know, socialized a few times. I don't know if they're like super close friends. Um, Has there been – was there any kind of UFC cooperation with AEW when they had um, like – was it Junior Dos Santos that that was on AEW TV or other UFC fighters that appeared on on TV?
2: They've had uh, Jorge Masvidal who came in and did the angle with Chris Jericho. Junior Dos Santos Mm -hmm. had been – let go by UFC by the time I believe he he did that, but but Mosfeed all that they have had there, and and of course famously when Dana White lost uh, Booker of the Year in the Observer Awards, he f- found out who Tony Khan was and uh, left him a voicemail.
1: Um, so I guess though you, you p- would probably lose your access to UFC fighters, right? Like you you're not going to let UFC a UFC fighter appear on on an AEW show. If you, if they're your, your sister company over here. Oh, right?
2: Brandon, but, they're in the, they're independent contractors. Yeah. That's their day off.
1: Yes. And, uh, and, and AW and W are separate, you know, they're, they're in different businesses too. Right. Um, but I guess you would, yeah, you, you wouldn't be doing these really minor cooperations with UFC if they come up.
2: Going back to the endeavor purchase of UFC. One thing I noted at, at the, at the time, it was very evident was once that sale went through it was an eye opener for a lot of fighters and a lot of management in terms of we knew this thing was valuable. We never thought it was this big where you're seeing billion dollars uh exchanging. And I think fighters at that time also sort of going from it was still you don't want to uh, dismiss it as like this this mom and pop organization, but it, it still had its its connection to. This little engine that could in the early 2000s when Zufa bought it for $2 million and this loyalty to Dana White, to the Fertitas, And now all of a sudden it was a whole new company, people that had lifetime deals there. They were extracted from the company and you had a lot more fighters go publicly about like that took off the whole fighter pay um, discussion. You had a lot more fighters who were willing to be outspoken about it. And it was also at a time when their leverage was greatly diminished once that sale went through. And we enter into this phase where it's a lot of guaranteed rights deals, their pay-per-views. It's a set amount, as you mentioned. It's less uh, driven by a fighter being uh, enticing a fighter to take a big fight when our money is guaranteed. Like that is another aspect to this whole thing. Like it's very similar in terms of wrestlers and fighters that fall under the same un- unrepresentation. And I would say if you are a wrestler, like again, it's, it's just further leverage that I think is, is lost in this for pro wrestlers because I think the the cost certainty that you can keep of these wrestlers and fighters is such a huge part of this business that we know that there is not going to be a labor dispute. There is not going to be a fight for a higher percentage of revenue. You do not have to worry about that.
1: I, I guess I think, is, is there a way that though unionization, at least for wrestling, would be more likely in that? I I feel like if I'm looking at you know, UFC fighters or W wrestlers, who's more likely to unionize? I think UFC fighters are much more likely to unionize. I don't know if you would agree with I
2: that. I would say yes, but I'd say both would be on the low percentage. But, but it's still
1: scale. difficult. But if it, if it, if it were to happen, I I, 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 suppose if these are, this is a merged company, wouldn't one go with the other in that, you know, if, if, if MMA, you know, UFC fighters unionized, would that sort of automatically unionize W fighters or W wrestlers? We could talk to somebody like this Middlebrook and, 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 you know, through, um, or maybe you know, they would be able to look to W. Talent to say, you know, you know, come with us and, and put pressure on them to also unionize or something like that. Um, because I just, I see W. Talent just being more, um, just gi- giving more fealty to their, to their employer, uh, W in this case.
2: Okay. Let's go to a a few more here. Jamie, do we see the venue pulling power from a joint venture breaking into new markets better or is using uh, coexisting markets? Okay. So I think he's looking at the the idea we were just discussing of sort of uh, piggybacking events going, you know, does this make it more attractive? One of the things they brought up was like site fees that UFC has been able to attract, that WWE is getting more aggressive with in uh, Cardiff, with the Puerto Rico that you just reported on. The idea that you package this as a like a weekend deal. You get a WWE a big show, you get a UFC pay per view that they can sort of marry these two events and and make it these destination weekends for for big shows a couple times a year.
1: Yeah. I, I think that'll continue to happen. I mean, imagine Ireland, you know, you could do a a Conor McGregor show one day and a and a Becky Lynch show the next.
2: All right. MJ is just uh, throwing them at us here. The WWE is deemed more valuable than every professional sports team in the world. Uh, Yankees at 7 billion sites, man, U, Washington football team sale all less than, than WWE. So let that sink in. And then he follows yeah. up with, uh, but
1: let the, let the IPO decide what the real value of, of that company is. It's, it's the, the, I mean, though an independent company right now, it's six and a half billion market capital. There we,
2: there we have it. All right. A uh, few more here. Is it possible the pending sale played a factor in the Roman Reigns result. Would it have hurt the ch- to change the face of the company during a sale?
1: I hear Ari Emanuel is re- really a big uh, Roman Reigns fan, not so much a Cody fan. And he was, and, and Vince was like, "Well, you know what? No, I, I don't think that played a role. I think Vince may have p- played a role. That's possible, but I don't think this. I don't think this mattered at all." Yes, M- M- MJ from MG was was joking that you know, we saw the. Uh, the pre-market was down for WWE. Man, fans must have really disliked or you know, investors must have really disliked that main event finish. The, the things that wrestling fans care about and the things that investors care about are often very, very different.
2: Uh, I, I'm sure we will, we will be getting uh, the Brandon Rosses and Alex Shermans of the world discussing uh, Cody Rhodes losing and, why, and continuing the story. Uh, is it possible SmackDown could go to ABC while Raw stays on the USA Network?
1: I guess it's possible. Um, what's on Friday night on ABC shark tank and Smackdown often beats it. Yeah. Shark tank
2: going to continue. That's uh, we've got the real life shark tank now with this new board of directors to, uh, to make up this, this new company.
1: Yeah. And that's one detail we haven't talked about yet is that the, the, the new, there will be a new board when this merger is complete. Um, I think 11 seats. If I'm just doing this off memory, I think Endeavor will appoint six of them. W will appoint five of them. Uh, and only two of them, I believe, from WWE, will be non-independent members. So my guess is, if, if my, you know, let me know if I'm right on those details. But my guess yeah, is that just, means you uh, got Vince and Nick as probably be, being the non-independent independent members, and that would result in Paul Levesque no longer being a member of the board.
2: Yeah the, the the current management setup is, uh, yes, yeah, six, six seats for Endeavor, five for uh, WWE uh, is, yeah. is sort of that that breakdown as well. All right. Let us, uh, continue on. Man, these, uh, super chats are just, uh, coming in fast and furious from Parker 499. Up until yesterday, the report was Endeavor was not interested. Did something change or were those reports just wrong? And they were interested all along. I think it's very important to parse the language that Ari Emanuel utilized of not wanting to take on to, to leverage any more debt. And if you were want just to change
1: taking, their leverage position, change yeah.
2: their leverage position. And if you want to hold them at his word, I mean, he told you, like this was a move in that direction, not necessarily stating they would not uh, take this take this on. But I guess um, I just did not understand sort of the dynamics of a uh, r- reverse Morris Trust and the way of which they have navigated the uh, the the economics to make this deal uh, appeasing to shareholders.
1: So what what Parker is probably referring to is that there was. Ari Emanuel made comments on the last Endeavor earnings call and then made comments on the Morgan Stanley TMT conference saying that they wouldn't change their leverage position, which is corporate buzz talk for they didn't they weren't going to do something that put their company more in debt. He was saying this in, in direct response to questions about a WE M&A transaction. Um, and it turns out with a so so we heard those comments and many, many people, uh, including me saw that as, well, maybe they don't want to make a deal. That sounds like they're not, inter- they're certainly not interested They're interested in, in buying it, but, but Endeavor is similar enough in size to W that they probably wouldn't buy it. They would more likely do some sort of merger, nonetheless that they could conceivably get involved in a transaction that would put Endeavor more in debt as a result. But if you do a reverse Morse trust and you pull out, you know, if you pull out as they're doing UFC into WWE and merge those companies with, so you're creating, you're, you're, you're starting with, two companies you're ending with two companies are just a different configuration of what those companies are. Um, and doing that distributes the debt, but doesn't put the company, more, either company more, well, it puts the, the new company, WWE and UFC more in debt. Uh, WWE has very little debt, but it, it sort of takes some of the debt away from what we now know is Endeavor. Um, and if anything, it reduces their debt. Um, and, and we did talk about how that, how what Ari Emanuel was saying could conceivably mean that they would be open to a transaction that did not put them further in debt. Um, but now we are learning more about what a what a reverse Morris trust actually is, and the
2: de- the degree to which that doesn't put you more in debt. We're going to do one more super chat before we uh, wrap things up. Another one here from Parker. Do you see WWE talent eventually being forced to wear sponsored gear, and do we get uh, sponsors on the ring and such, like? UFC. Uh so this is um of course UFC they have had uh their their fighters. Uh first it was uh sponsored by Reebok, now they have the deal with Venom under uh, the Rocks uh under armor line as well. And these are again, these are deals that UFC has struck. Um but the fighters are not um they do not share in this, um, but this is like the fighter uniform that they have to wear. And I guess I, I would say anything is on the table in terms of bringing revenue to the table. I don't think there's going to any be any empty space. That's it. I don't think they're looking at just uh, a clean canvas or aesthetics or upsetting, you know, fan fan reaction when it, when it comes to new ways to come up with revenue, I would say anything and everything is on the table. And if they can learn from UFC and felt it's been valuable to their bottom line, I think you could certainly see it um, mirrored in the WWE side of things.
1: I mean, you could say, I, I mean, I don't envision a future where like everybody's wearing the same sponsor, but we've seen already things way before this merger where Rey Mysterio was wearing like Victoria beer sponsored gear. I could see more of that. Um, I don't think, and I think they would understand that it wouldn't be a good idea to have everyone wearing a uniform. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they understand that creatively part of pro wrestling is everyone has unique gear and a unique look. And it's not like UFC in that everybody's going to be wearing a very similar set of attire. Um, so I don't think there's going to be like a uniform where everybody's wearing the same uniform from the same apparel brand. Um, but we very well, could see and already have seen more of these you know sort of sponsored outfits like we saw ray mysterio i think a couple SummerSlams ago or something
2: how do you expect uh this news to be handled on tonight's edition of raw i heard triple h is going to make some
1: sort of announcement Did you see that i did not um, see that no I, th- I think i saw that uh, Maybe mean you playing from the uh, the tony Khan playbook big announcement coming um I, I don't, I mean, maybe he'll say something to the effect of, of how he kind of vaguely addressed it at the end of the press conference saying, just, just to let, you know, Ron Smackdown aren't going anywhere just so there's no confusion here. Um, but I, you know, I think it's going to be a, otherwise a normal wrestling show and it's a, it's a post mania uh, raw, but other than that, I don't, what else can they, they say or do that would be worth addressing?
2: Yeah. I, it, it I think it just, it also says something that you're, Putting Paul Levesque out there as sort of the the front facing person on your WWE programming as well as opposed, like if if ever there was a reason to have a Vince McMahon on, um, th- this would be the kind of thing it is. And I think having Paul Levesque out there would probably make the the most sense in terms of uh what you would uh like to do. So uh we hope we have done uh, as best as we can of sort of breaking down the information that we have and giving our best uh, insight into where uh, some of this can shake out, but it's going to be an ongoing story throughout the rest of the year. And truly, I don't think we will know the full impact of this deal until probably a year or two into this. Like There will be the honeymoon phase where everyone is looking at the expectations of what can happen, and then there's a reality that come when uh, a company is purchased and the impact that that has on your workforce, on redundancy, and ultimately looking at uh, down the road of what this means for the companies. It, yeah. Ari Emanuel was not wrong when he stated like a lot of people were stunned with the the sticker shock of the UFC purchase price. And today you look at all these years later and the 4 billion, like it doesn't come across as a ridiculous price a- at all for them. You're not always looking at d- year one of a big deal like this. You're sort of looking at um towards the end of it. Like, did you get the Proper value, and, and time will tell. And a big question of that is when this company does go public under whatever name it is, and uh, what what Vince McMahon can can craft. Maybe his defining legacy will be the name of of this new company. Yeah, al- Alpha
1: something. Um, I think if if anything is a risk here that I can see that may become a news story in you know the years to come is, and they kind of alluded it, you know, talked about it in in the CNBC interview where the interviewer is asking him, you know, what happens if you disagree? There's a lot of big personalities here that, that have to work with each other. Um, and people who are, who are used to being the boss, including Vince and Ari Emanuel. Um, so, you know, if there's, if there's a story to come here, that's a challenge for them. It's, it's cooperating with all these big personalities.
2: Wait, Ari, I thought you worked for me. Ha <laughs>
1: Yeah, and he's just kind of like, you know, ribbing on the square already about it, you know?
2: <laughs> so they will... Uh, they have promised to body slam the other. So that was uh, all, all part of our, our hearty Vince McMahon comedy that we got on uh, CNBC. So that's going to wrap things up. Um, Brandon? I, did, I just received an, an, an analysis report.
1: Mega powers combine. Is, oh. uh,
2: Yes. My goodness! Well, they're they're going to be in full force uh, on the headlines this week, I am sure. Uh, Brandon, what do you have uh, coming up in the uh, in the coming days, and where can people catch more of your work? Uh
1: dot You can find everything. We'll, I'll do a, a podcast on Thursday night with whatever else we learn between then and now, which I'm sure will be will be will be plenty. There's a a meeting to come later this afternoon too that I'll do some reporting on. I'm sure. Um, and there's Russellomics Radio that's on the Russellomics YouTube channel and on your free podcast app, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash where I report TV ratings nearly every day. Uh, big spreadsheet you get access to. You get access to the slides. You get access to my subscriber-only podcast, Russellomics 30, every Thursday.
2: Check out all of that. One of the best in the business, Brandon Thurston. And we thank all of you, a lot of you tuning in for this show live. Uh, Myself and Wei Ting will be back tonight at 11 Eastern here on the Post YouTube channel. Hit subscribe and uh, we are live every Monday and Wednesday night here on the channel. We will be talking about Raw and whatever other news uh, comes out today in regards to the sale. And God knows what other news might break between now and then. But that is it for us. Thanks to everybody for tuning in and we will speak with you
3: tonight.